What The Mum podcast. My name is Maria Newman and I will be your host. Every mum to being knows that as soon as she becomes a mum, her world will change forever. Everyone is keen to give you advice based on their own experiences. Other mums delight in sharing their horror stories so that new mums are better prepared for what might happen. The lack of sleep, feeling exhausted most of the time, living in bodies with even more wobbly bits and never having any privacy. But everyone's story is unique. Everyone's experience is personal. On this podcast, I will be sharing real stories told by mums like you and I about their experience of motherhood and how life changes when you become a mum. This podcast is about showing you that you're not alone. We may not be in the same boat, but we are experiencing a similar storm. I hope these stories will inspire you to do what you want and be who you want to be. Anything is possible if you really want it and if it is really important to you. If you want to find out more about me and who I am, check out my website, mummyandabreak.co.uk. However, for now, sit back, relax and enjoy this podcast episode. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. During this podcast series, I will be interviewing six awesome women who will be sharing with us their mum story. My guest today is Rachel, who is a multi-talented individual and is also the media matchmaker she's also a mum who spent a lot of time supporting and helping other mums based on her own experiences. Thanks Rachel for joining me today. Thanks for having me, I'm very excited to be here. So Rachel, first of all, who is Rachel? Gosh, well I'm 53 so that could take a long time. <laughs> I, I always put with what I do, I'm a mum, I'm a mumpreneur, uh, speaker and coach. Um, being a mum is the biggest part of my world well they're just our kids aren't they they're our world and then business is kind of a close second really um so yeah so I'm a hard-working mum as most of us are and did you always know that you wanted to be a mum yes yes it was interesting actually because um I at one point didn't think I could have children so um we tried when I was married we tried for a good couple of years and it so it didn't happen naturally and we almost gave up and it was my 30th birthday and um I'd had a lot rather lot to drink and didn't realize I was pregnant I had a big party and we'd just been abroad and it rained the whole time so there wasn't a lot else to do and therefore we caught and uh, it was just the most magical gift it really was and uh, so yeah so I only had one I couldn't I wasn't blessed with any more but one was enough that made me smile through life <laughs> oh that's so lovely so can you tell give us more detail about your mum journey you know how how being a mum has changed your life the experience of being a mum yeah, I think um, it just grounds you, doesn't it, and shapes you. So I was a mum, as I say, when I was uh, 30. Um, yeah, she was. I was 30. Was I 31? Just And I was 30. And um, I'd got my own business, so I was used to working all the hours God sends. So I'd already been in business for quite a long time. And funnily enough, I actually worked up until a few days before my pregnancy and then went back to work full-time after six weeks. And when I look back now, it was not the right thing to do at all. Well, well not for me anyway. And I um, got, became really ill 
And because I was a real perfectionist and, and had no option other than to go back to work because my clients needed me, I was also, I was like the sales director in my company and also the financial director. So I had to like to look after all the money, pay all the wages and bring all the sales in as well. Plus my clients wanted me and I was juggling everything. And I remember, I remember I followed the Gina Ford content little baby book. Oh my gosh. I was obsessed with this book. I remember phoning my mum. I used to take Fridays off um, towards the end. And I, I, I phoned my mum when I was off this first six weeks and said, the book says between 12 and 2, she should be having a nap and she's awake. What do I do? And my mum just laughed at me. She said, it's not always by a book. Um, and I just became exhausted, if I was truthful. It's exhausting, isn't it, being a mum? And my husband at the time, he was working a lot of hours as well. And he was a typical, he'd still go to the pub after work. He'd still go and play golf. And it all fell on me. And I exhausted myself. And sadly, um, six months later, I admitted I was really struggling and um, got diagnosed with postnatal depression. So it was a tough time. It was a magical time, but it was a tough time as well because I just kept smiling, as I always do, and everyone thought life was perfect, and it was perfect. But sometimes it's really lonely, isn't it, you know, at the beginning? So it was a blessing, and also I did struggle a little bit, but then once I got help and I was back on track, it was fine. And I managed to get the more of a work-life balance as Annabelle got older. So it was just, it's just been the best time. It really has been the best time being a mum. And that is the thing, isn't it? As mums, for whatever reason, we just smile and continue. And it's a theme that I hear quite regularly with the mums that I talk to. Yeah. Why do you think we do it? Because we don't have to. I know. And I think now, thank the Lord, everyone's more open about mental health aren't they it's more of a discussion it's more acceptable you feel like you failed especially I think for me I wanted her so much and I loved her so much and I struggled then to think well why am I feeling like this so it, it's a shame I felt in truth and I couldn't let anybody know because that's not god I haven't spoken about this for years getting quite upset that's not the person I was you know um and it was only really later in my career that I started when I, I'm sure we'll go on to it, I created a magazine and I started talking about postnatal depression and, and was really proud of it then. And I wish I'd known now what I knew back then. But uh, for anybody that does go through, seek help, you know, because people are fantastic and amazing, but we do hide it, sadly. And for you then, what was the trigger that made you just stop and go, I, I need, I need help. I need someone to help me. I'll tell you what it was. And then... Um, I'll maybe tell you later as well, because uh, they wrote about it in Grazia magazine, because I'm known as, as you said at the beginning, the media matchmaker. So I've got loads, I've had loads of publicity myself and media. And um, and I remember this being iconic. And I've, I've only, I've never, I think I've read it once this day. It's in a cupboard somewhere just behind me, locked away. I had a, an article written about me, about postnatal depression in Grazia magazine. And I remember wanting to share my story in a really open way. And I remember driving to the nursery to go and pick her up and I was on the motorway and I remember thinking if I shut my eyes I wonder how long before I crash and it's all over and at that point then I pulled over and phoned my cousin who I was really close to at the time and I said I need help I need to go and see the doctor now can you get Annabelle for me and that was I went god I went to the doctors and um and they helped me at first I had psychotherapy I think it's psychotherapy, they call it. But even in the end, she said, I can't help you anymore. You need to go on tablets. <laughs> so I, did, I went on tablets and it was brilliant. And the doctor was amazing because I've got a fear of going on 
antidepressants, something unfortunately my mum had breakdowns and she had to do. So I've seen that side of how you can be addicted to kind of tablets and kind of, you know. So I was really against it, but the doctor explained it to me. She said, it's like, imagine a ship is going on uh, on sail on one direction on course. It will slowly but surely over six months bring you back on track so you can sail off in the right direction. I thought, all right, I can, I can, I can cope with that. So being me, being me, I got to six months and you have to wean yourself down. I got a spreadsheet out and I was off of it and I was like cutting down exactly how I should do it. But it did exactly what it needed to do. It changed the imbalance, got back on track in life and it really helped me. It's amazing. And from obviously what you've told us already, you are very focused and you love your, your daughter as much as you love your business. How have you managed that juggle so that, you know, you don't reach burnout again and you can enjoy it all? I realised um, I had the, the ad, I had a, an ad agency at the time till she was about eight, actually. So because I had my I was married at that time, I'm divorced now and I got divorced when she was around about eight. And fortunately, I went through my second, it sounds quite depressing all this, but it's not, it's uplifting, I promise you. I went through with my divorce, a second bout of, of kind of depression. But this time I knew how to handle it. I was very much into mindset. I discovered the secret. I just read it for the first time for Rhonda Byrne and it literally changed my world, got into personal development. And then I decided to build a business around Annabelle and me rather than the other way around. So if I look back, do I regret what I had to do? I had no choice. You know, as working moms, we have to do whatever we have to do, don't we? But then I was lucky enough. I thought, right, I've got a chance to reset. I closed my ad agency down, um, had a different options. I used think all the things that I was good at doing and started a new business then that worked flexibly around Annabelle. And then I helped other mums do exactly the same. And my life changed from there. It really did. So tell me more about that because I know obviously there's the magazine of uh, Mums in Control, but because I can I can hear people listening to this going, all right then. So you've told us a little bit. Come on, come on. So how did you create that world around you and Annabelle, and then go on to help more mums? Well, I love this business. I've not got it anymore, sadly, and I keep the URL. And I keep thinking one day maybe it was a magazine called Mums in Control. So my background has always been media. I've always worked in the media. So I sold radio advertising to start with with small business owners. Then I had an ad agency that was working and selling advertising, you know, all sorts of marketing. Um, And then I thought, you know what, I could just create my own magazine for working mums. And it was back in the day when mumpreneur was the new buzzword. I should have trademarked that name because it was the new trade, you know, the new name. So I, I became a mumpreneur. And because I'd got experience of selling advertising marketing and publishing I created it straight away as a franchise model so I got some founder franchisees that came on board for a minimal um, investment fee we had six of us we all did the first issue together and I think we have a distribution was something about 40,000 on our first print run which was absolutely brilliant and it was just a quarterly magazine so I used to have an editor and we used to write the national like news if you like and interview all these celebrities like uh, Lorraine Kelly, I've interviewed, uh, Melinda Messenger, Belinda Car- not Belinda Carlyle, sorry, um, Car- Donnie Minogue, uh, some amazing, amazing people, but also women, you know, that would, super moms that are doing super things. And then the franchisees and myself, we'd sell local advertising in the magazine. And then the magazine was just distributed in the libraries and the schools and given away in shops and stores. And it just took off. It was 
it was fantastic. It really was. And it got to the point where I had, I think, 60 franchisees at my peak and we were printing half a million copies per print run. So we were larger than some of the glossy women's magazines and it just opened. It was just the most magical time, but it was before the credit crunch. And uh, that was a whole different story back in 2008, 2009. I know it's 2010, wasn't it, when things changed? Yeah, it wasn't. It was a challenge to put it like that. And I think that's a similar theme to mums now, you know, a lot of my mum friends and people who I um, network with, you can see that people who are just starting in business, mums who are just starting in business, the trigger for them deciding that they want to do something for themselves is the fact that they're now a mum and they don't want to have to make their world exist around their job they want to be able to put family first be there for things like school plays drop-offs pickups minimize taking the children to breakfast club after school club and so they go right okay then what skills do I have how can I create something of my own that will fit in with life rather than life having to fit in with it so it's an ongoing it hasn't gone away is what I'm trying to say. No, I think it's a little bit more flexible now, especially after the pandemic. We are working from home now. And I also think with mental health awareness, businesses are understanding more now that, you know, we want to be with our families. We're not working because that's our priority. We're working because we have to make a living. If we get a job we love, then how lucky are we? Um, and I do think if we can, we need to be doing something we love. But let's face it, we can't always do that. You know, you just have to bring money in, don't you? Yeah. So I think as well, there's so many opportunities in when we have a, like a recession. And then we've formally announced a recession, but it is a challenge at the moment again. And, and we know we're going to go through these cycles every 10, 20 years or whatever. Um, so if there's something you can do a side hustle on the side and build it up, absolutely wonderful. But then something has to give, doesn't it? You know, so I was lucky that Annabelle was slightly older um, and I was also looking in a weird kind of way that because I was divorced, she spent half the time with the dad and half the time with me. So I could work like all the hours God sends when she wasn't with me, but then spend my time with her the other way. So I was quite blessed, really. Um, but also there's so many opportunities when when there's a recession, there are opportunities out there. It's just finding the right things. Like one of my clients uh, that I help now, she set up her own franchise called I think it's leapfrog sports and she's doing amazing things so she's helping parents they 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 can buy into it and they do like multiple sports so you know like at at school when you go and you just learn either netball or or footballs you know they say try it all don't sign up to a soccer club or a football club or a hockey club just try them all and see what you like I think that's just genius and now she's helping mums so there are things there's loads of flexible franchising that you might be able to look at but do your research that you know you could either side hustle or change completely career wise and, and people are women are really talented so you know we're we're sort of I think we air towards we we're multi-skilled so there's lots of things that we can look at and go okay then so I'm really good at and the first thing that came into my mind and don't ask me why is I'm really good at knitting what can I do with knitting other than knit product I could teach people how to to knit I can create my own YouTube channel and call it the knitting mum or whatever so there's like you said now there are so many options that you can start a side hustle and do it in your free time and before you know it it can become the main earner and it can be your thing so I think it's encouraging people 
to be creative, not to think of it first of all as a business, but to just like have fun with it and see where it goes. Yeah, I think if you have, if you've got a passion for something, absolutely, you can look at doing it. But you've also got to be realistic as mums, as family, you know, breadwinners. We have to make sure we can look after our family first. I'm running a business. I'm not gonna. It's not easy. It's hard. You know, I've been doing this for thirty years now. So, and I still have the highs, the lows, the the in betweens. It, it's constantly zigzagging along in life, isn't it? You know. But would I change it? Absolutely not. I love the freedom, the flexibility, but it's not for everybody. But there are amazing resources out there where you can kind of learn new things. As, as you open university courses now, you can do if you want to read kind of retrain what you're doing there's a brilliant website i use called i think it's called workingmums.co.uk or something like that i don't know and i'm not part of it but i recruited all my mums um, from that website because mums are genius my pa used to be back in the day when i used to have a pa don't anymore she was amazing because i allowed her to work flexible and if you trust they give you 120 percent you know, they'll do the times once they want the little ones have gone down to sleep and they'll catch up. They'll be loyal. They'll do what they can. They're honest with you because they're so grateful for that opportunity. So that there's websites out there that are desperate to have working mums do roles. So I would I'm a big, thick person. I'll, you know, you can create whatever you want in life. You have to just believe it and do the research and find out what your options are. So if anyone's inspired, just do some research. You can be whatever you want to be. And, and just see if there's any jobs or support jobs out there that you can do either as a side hustle or as a main, main kind of day-to-day job. Exactly, exactly. Now, you are a font of lots of knowledge. And I know that you will have lots of advice for everybody out there. But before I ask you that question, if you were able to go back to, say, just before you became a mum, what advice would you give yourself? advice don't sweat the small stuff gosh we worry all the time don't we you know the best book I ever read was how to stop worrying and start living by Dale Carnegie and it's still it's one of the oldest books but it's still you can get it on audible because I'm dyslexic so I don't like reading so I like to listen um but it's it's just still now it kind of makes you I like a worst case scenario and I'm one of the most optimistic people you ever meet but if I've got my worst case scenario I'm okay so what's the worst case okay so you can't pay more okay what's the worst case so therefore you've got to move house okay so what's the worst case we can move house you can buy a house that right okay that's not so bad <laughs> you know I do all these things I go through all these kind of worst case scenarios because then I've if I've got a worst case scenario and I know I can cope what's the point in worrying you know friendships you fall out sometimes or have disagreements you just think is it gonna am I gonna think about this in a year's time if not really what's the point in worrying about it now obviously with our children it's very different we worry about everything with them but I think that's the piece of advice I'd give to myself don't sweat the small stuff and we do don't we because all of a sudden we go from only being responsible for ourselves to being responsible for this for this beautiful bundle of joy that cannot look after themselves yet and so we've got to look after ourselves and look after our baby and we I think we do end up tying ourselves in knots because we worry about everything and we're not experts in being a mum but we're experts in knowing our babies yes yeah I think it's what do they say they say if you're looking forward you're anxious if you're looking back 
this is a saying but if you're in, in in the now you're present and that's why it's a gift you should be in the present as much as we can and I know it's very difficult you know and it's a sweeping statement because you can't help it if there's the tiniest little thing to do with our children then it's the biggest thing in our minds at that time what is it they say you're only as happy as your unhappiest child you know and it, and I think it's true isn't it you know if they're going through challenges where it's hurting us a lot harder um but everything's in most things are fixable I shouldn't say everything but most things are fixable and it's having good people around you in the support but again try not to worry because it's it's it, it solves nothing it really doesn't solve anything and I think there is a, like a statistic that says that 80% of the things we worry about never happen. So you're thinking, oh my word, there's 80% of our energy is going towards something that is never going to happen. And therefore it's just a waste, isn't it? And we all have this little thing going on in this conversation going in our head, constantly telling us and talking to us, but is a choice on how we react to it, whether we block it out and say, right, okay, I'm going to park that and move forward, or you put some happy music on, or you do, or you can say, right, okay, so this is the scenario that's going in my head. Let me do, so I like to do research and kind of, and, and, and think, what are my options, A, B, C, D, E, and then I think, well, those are my options. I just pick one and move on. There's no point in worrying about something, but if you don't know about it, then you're kind of going into it blind so I feel happier when I've done some research and picked about it but you, you're right the statistics are I would imagine probably even higher than 80 percent but yes so tell me give me an instant where being a mum you had something really challenging in front of you and you dealt with it because obviously being mums we have challenges all the time and we do get through them. So share your experience. I think divorce for me was the biggest thing. It's it's hard. And, you know, it's heartbreaking for what you're putting your children through. Even though now it's more, it's almost acceptable, isn't it? It's like the norm to them. And I think it's how you cope with it. And I look back and I did the best I could. I'm not proud of everything I did or how I was. And, you know, um, and I had counselling at the time. Counselling has always been the best thing for me. I'm a big believer of um, therapy. It, it just works for me. Um, but, yeah, I think divorce was one of the hardest, trickiest things because they're your world that are losing the two people that they trust in their life. Um, so it's navigating through that. And especially if it's a difficult relationship between you and your ex, I always kept up positive. I was always, I never ever, you know, um, put a negative spin on on the dad. She's a, he's a good dad, you know. And I think that was that was the hardest thing. And then seeing them having to go from one house to another breaks your heart. And you pack their little suitcases and off they go. And then you miss them so much. And then so that that was the hardest challenge. And probably also my proudest. I hope one of my proudest times because I did the best I could truly but it was an unexpected bump in life but it, it is what it is and back then because you know self-care is a big thing now we talk about self-care and recharging your batteries and refilling your cup were you able to look after yourself as much as you trying to look after your daughter and make sure you know the transition was as less bumpy as possible for her yeah, I, I, I was lucky because as I said, I, I started to look into this whole personal development stuff. So the secret did literally change my life. And then I started following people. I went to a Christopher Howard seminar, who's someone from America, but I kind of got into that whole, 
you know, mindset stuff. And because I've got a flexible business, I was lucky because I did have that balance so that when I had my time with her, I could, and I went to every school, well, actually I say I went to every school production. I missed one and I was at my desk and I was doing nothing. I just forgot. And I went to the school gates. And what does she remember this one time I went to the school gate and you didn't come to my assembly. I went, oh my gosh, I just forgot. But as a working mom, I went to every parents' evening, every school thing, every assembly, everything. And that I was proud that I could do. Um, so it was the hardest time and also probably the blessed time because I managed to, I feel, change my life so I could give to her as well. Not that she understands, realises or needs to be grateful for it, but that's what I did that I'm proud of. Oh, I love that. And that's the thing. I Similar to you in the sense of when I was younger, my parents um, owned a seaside restaurant. So they were not able to necessarily go to all of the assemblies, the plays, the sports days. And for me, that's, that was super important for what I wanted to do for my children. Just to yeah. like wave the flag and go, I am here. I do see you. And I'm just taking it all in because I want to see everything that I can in life that means I watch you grow up yeah yeah and one of the things I, I used to love to do and I stopped it for a while with my divorce then I did start to try and do it again I used to write things down I always say to my friends now write it write it down and little sayings that they say because I just remember when she was little thinking all the way through till she got to 16 that's a whole different age, conversation was this is the best time ever. I don't want her to grow up. I want her to stay at this age. Then she'd gone to something else and, oh no, this is the best time ever. And, and I used to keep a little diary. And one thing um, a friend of mine did, and I kind of helped to suggest it, is I set up Annabelle's um, email address for her. And then something I, I, I found a friend actually, he's, uh, he didn't get to see his children all the time. But what he did was he wrote them a message, an email every week and a little update. So when they become 16, they can read the whole life. So every time he was with them, he said, we did this today, we did that today. And he emailed it to them. So when they're going to be 16, he's going to give them the email account. And it was an account then of all the time that they spent together and all the things he wanted to say. And I just think, how special is that? Because you just don't remember, do you? We want to remember. And we have these phones and videos, which we don't, we do look back on. I love love photos and videos but we don't capture it all do we so and it, ha- it goes so in a whoosh nice. I know it's lovely isn't it? Yeah. it is and and there's only limited um space on your phone that you can capture all the videos but if you've got an email account and you can send yeah. the videos and 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 photos and also like you said write down what's happening yeah it's a it's a live yeah it's a live diary and then also, I always think as well, it's a great gift for somebody like I registered. Mind you, Annabelle's not interested, but I've kept them anyway. Um, I've registered all her emails, like, you know, her name and as an email, as a URL, because, I mean, she has got her own business now and she's followed our footsteps. Um, and I just think, what a great gift. So as they grow up, they've got their name as an email. <laughs> That's just me, I'm afraid. <laughs> no, that's really good because they... I think it's more likely that our children will go and set up their own business than our generation because of what they see and what is out there and the opportunities that are available to them. I think as a percentage, fewer of 
their generation will um, go and be employed. They will be self-employed. Possibly, yeah, because even like, you know, whether you're doing stuff online, you know, whether you're coding or whatever, and there's great opportunities for women as well, as girls, as well as the boys. It's, it's fantastic now, the equal opportunities for everybody, but also tradespeople, you know, a lot of the tradesmen are freelancers, are setting up working for themselves. My nephew, you know, he's a, he's a brickie and, you know, he's a good all-rounder. You know, it, 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 the, the options are all there, aren't they? You know, the, it's all available. And with AI now, I mean, it's just a game changer. I think it's you've got to embrace it and, and, and see the best thing you can in technology. You do, you do, you do. So it's coming to the end of our podcast. Episode. Oh. There are a couple more questions I have to ask you. <laughs> the first one is, if you could get, tell yourself three things that you wish you knew before you started your mum journey, what okay. would they be? Oh, gosh. Oh gosh, um, three things that I was oh, maybe throw away the content little baby book. <laughs> <laughs> no, it did do me good. Um, three things I don't know. I think um, enjoy the moments, which I, I did do eventually. So, you know, take it in in the moments because you're so busy. You've got to do this, you've got to do that, got to do the other, and make make little notes. Like I said, those there's a I wish I'd have done that more. Again, the not worrying, I think, is something. Um, but before I was a mum, what would I, three, what would I? Uh, I think the flexibility for me has been the massive game changer because it's allowed me to be the best version of mum that I could possibly be. I'm not as stressed as I would have been. I don't feel guilty, which is probably the biggest word as mums that we have, don't we? I didn't feel as lonely because I had the balance. So I think I wish I could have just got that balance a little bit earlier. And I think nowadays, like self-care, it's sort of in our face in the sense of it is all about balancing life and not tipping the scales, you know, understanding that as women in particular, we feature in our life and it's not about everybody who we love. We've got to make sure that we're that we are part of our life. Yeah, I think it's also navigating through. It's funny, isn't it? When we when we listen to this, you know, I'm sure you've got a mixture of mums. Our journey is so unique from when they're babies to when they're toddlers and their school. Our life completely changes to when they're teenagers, you know, and then they come out the other side and it's wonderful. And they become your friends, you know, but the whole world is like, good God, if people told you that when you first had them, that you're going to go through all these emotions, I'm thinking, you think, mm, okay, and how much it was going to cost you. But then you have to think the love that comes out, but it's a massive, massive journey, isn't it? And you learn about yourself. I mean, I'm 53 now, my daughter's 22. I've got the best, um, I feel best of my life yet to come, but I'm in the best place ever because I, don't, I do care about everything, but I don't care about anything, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't care what people think of me. I'm proud. I'm in my own skin. I'm curvy. I'm happy. I've got my great business. I've got my great family. Life is good. And you come out the other side, but you've got to enjoy it as you're going along. I love that. And I think it is on that, like, caring scale. When we start as mums, we care very much about, like, everything and anything and I think as we progress, and it's something that I'm sort of trying to teach my children, is to care less, but to care about the right things. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you think about it, I mean, I know you had one, but you think all those parents are listening to this, you know, when you have your first one, I remember coming home and bringing her home from the, the, the hospital thinking, what do I do now? Shut the door. So what the hell do I do now? And then you get your bottles, your milk's perfectly right. There's 
enclosed temperature and a temperature thermometer in the room. The second one, that's it, you just like warm the bottle, you know, they get it what they give them and da, da, da. you don't care as much because it's not that you don't care as much, but you just don't sweat the small stuff as much. And I think that's, if you know, that's a good thing to try and learn along the way if you can. <laughs> Oh, definitely, definitely. Well, this has been a lovely conversation. I've really enjoyed talking to you, Rachel, and thank you for being so open and honest with us. It's wonderful. Oh, thank you. Before we wrap this up, I know that people will be listening to this and watching this and going, I need to be in Rachel's world. Please make it easy for them and tell people how they can come and find you and connect with you. Well, if you just search, I've got a business called Media Matchmaker. So if anyone wants publicity or wants to connect to journalists, then they can. But if you just Google Rachel Media Matchmaker, you'll find me now. Unfortunately, my mother decided to name my name R-A-C-H-A-E-L. So you might have to search it like that. But yeah, just Rachel uh, Taplin. Um, you can Google and you'll find me uh, or Media Matchmaker and it'd be lovely to connect. I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, all under the same name. So uh, yeah, it'd be great. And thank you. I've really enjoyed. It's nice to talk about something different. So, um, you know, and be honest, like I didn't know any questions before. So uh, thank you so much for having me. You are most welcome. So all that leaves me to say is thank you, Rachel, for being my guest today. And thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. you enjoyed listening to this podcast episode and if you did then of course please share it with other mums i have lots more resources for you that will help you on your journey through life just visit my website to access them which is mummyonabreak.co.uk you can also find out details about my book busy take care and see you the next time